Can you give me 15 minutes? Is that okay? And I'm going to do my very best to keep to it. So no waffling, as one of my beautiful staff members told me. Um, this morning, we're going to receive comfort and charge from the world's greatest shepherd, Jesus. Um, and two-thirds into the Sermon on the Mount, we get to this passage. Last Sunday, we read the same passage, but from another gospel in the Gospel of Luke. This week, we're reading it from Matthew's eyes and Matthew's version of the, the same charge and, and comfort that Jesus gives to his followers. So would you turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 6? It's also on the board. Uh, Matthew chapter 6 from verse 24, we're going to read about 10 verses or so together. So Jesus is speaking to his um, disciples. Like I said, this is part of the great sermon on the mount. This is two-thirds into it. It's near the end of the mount um, of the sermon. He's now speaking to them and charging and giving them some godly advices to walk through um, their season. Verse 24, Jesus speaking. No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other. That's quite radical, those words, hate and love. Eh? We don't hear that often. I don't know if you tell your kids. We tell our kids, don't use hate. It's a strong word. It's a, you can't go back from saying you hate someone. Or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. This is Jesus speaking to his disciples. And the words here are interesting that he chooses to use. Devoted. I'm devoted to making money or serving money or I'm devoted to God. Jesus is drawing like a, a thick line in the sand here. And he says you will despise the one. So the one you choose to devote your life to, the other one you will despise. And if you choose to serve this one, you're going to despise the other. But it's almost like a love-hate relationship that we will have with money and with finances. Verse 25, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food? I don't know. And the body more than clothing? Look at the birds in the air. They, never, they neither sow or reap, nor gather into barns, and yet the heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? We read this last, last week from Luke. And which of you are being anxious can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. Neither they twirl nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory would not arrayed as like, like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow thrown in the oven, will he not much, not much more clothe you O you of little faith, I think in Luke, Jesus calls them, O you little flock. Therefore do not be anxious, saying, What shall I eat? What shall I drink? What shall I wear? Verse 32. For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. Verse 33. But seek first the kingdom of of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. Therefore do not be anxious about tomorrow for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. This is God's beautiful scripture and Jesus' words. Let's pray together. Lord, thank you for this powerful passage. I pray that this, this morning it will charge us and it will comfort us as your people in Jesus' name. Amen. We must remember that this is a pastoral passage. This is not Jesus angry or upset. He's, he's caring for an anxious disciple. He is pastoral. He is a shepherd. He is loving and caring towards them. 
This is a discipling moment. He's, he's trying to teach his disciples something that will, that will see them through an incredibly tough future in life. And Jesus' word and himself disciples you and I. This morning, why do we preach on a Sunday morning? Like Trebo said at our admin meeting on Tuesday, because God's word, the preached, spoken word of God, disciples us Sunday after Sunday. What happens when we sit under the word of God? It changes us. It shapes who we are. And yet Jesus, the ultimate shepherd, shepherd pastor, here he is counseling his weary flock, his anxious flock, and then he charges them in, in verse 33, but seek first the kingdom of God. Don't stress about this, seek first the kingdom of God. Five times in this passage, Jesus is encouraging us not to be anxious. Go read it again. I think the word anxious is seven times in that one short passage. But there are five instances where Jesus tells his flock, his disciples, do not be anxious. Everyday people, we had a wonderful morning. I'm just hearing where we're at. And some of the moments we went, oh, that, that sounds serious. Or, wow, we need to pray. There's some concerns that we have. And there's some joys that we have. And Jesus would say to us, do not be anxious. Everyday people, do not be anxious. Five times he says this to his disciples. He's warning his disciples like Jeremiah did to Israel, like Jesus did to the woman at the well. That when we drink of the world, when we drink from there, we will never be satisfied. He's offering us something else to drink. He's offering us something else to focus our attention on. And as we heard last Sunday, when we spoke about the, the Heidelberg and the Westminster Catechisms, about the providence of God and the bigness of God over history, Acts 17 verse 22 says this to us, reminds us that we are not in charge of the times that we live in. We did not choose this season to be alive. Did you realize that? Young Oliver, Oliver Spog, did not decide Tuesday in April, I'm going to arrive and I'm going I'm to get into this world. And Oliver didn't decide who his parents were even going to be. God chose that for him, like we reminded Phil and Emma last week at um, Ethan's dedication. You and I did not choose these times. Our God chose us to be alive in these times. God picked you for this season. God chose that you would be alive in this time. And how do I know that? Because Acts 17 verse 26 says that. And he made from one man every nation, who from Jesus, every man, every, man, every nation of, of mankind, to live on all the face of the earth, having determined allotted periods and the boundaries of their dwelling place. God in Christ determined when you will live and where you will live. And for how long you will live. Isn't that good? It's not all on you to decide those things. It's on him. He has sovereignly decided that over your life. And as Christ follows, we find our rest and our peace in that. That he is over this. That COVID is not in charge. It never was. It's never going to be. God is over this. Daniel speaks of God raising up kingdoms, bringing down kingdoms. And almost like a chessboard that God can do as he pleases. He's the God over every king. We are not the first and we're certainly not the last generation on this earth that is going to go through something like this. Have you read the history books? One of the things I've done is read history of what did the church do in the pestilence, in the black, when, when, the, flu, when the flu hit, when, 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 when the world wars went on. What did the church do? How did they respond? It left me with the thought of what will the future generations say of us? What were we like during covid 
What are your grandchildren going to read and see when they look back at us and how did your mom and granny, how did they live through COVID? What did the church do? What did, how did they change? Were they anxious? Were they brave? Were they courageous? Were they, did they hold on to their faith? Our generations watching us, Oliver's generation, Precious's baby girl, is, they're going to be watching us. They're going to be reading and saying, how did our parents and our grandparents, how did they live through that season? Hopefully we'll be able to say we had God's kingdom on mind and we kept charging for our king. We kept serving and we kept seeking the kingdom of God even in those dark days. I'd love that to be said of us. And I want to focus just on the, I wrote to the elders midweek. I said, I think I found the text for Sunday. Verse 32 and verse 33. We're going to focus on that, my last bit of the preach. For the Gentiles seek, and the word here, they eagerly seek after, strive after, run after, chase, pursue with everything they have. All these things. What are all the things that Jesus is referring to? Food, drink, and clothing. They want money, and they need money because money will buy us food, clothing, and and where we live, etc. And Gentiles, Jesus is saying, the Gentiles, those who don't know Christ yet, let's say yet, pursue these things. Those without Christ in their life, pursue this. And after all these things. And then he says, after all these things they pursue. And he says, your heavenly Father knows that you need them, but seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. There's a few pointers that I want to make quickly. One is that we have a heavenly father. We have a father. We are not orphans. We, are, we, we have a father. You and I have a father in heaven. COVID, for some folk, felt, where is God? The statement, has God left us? The answer in scripture is no. God, our heavenly father, has not left us. We have a father. We are not strangers. We're not orphaned. We are not on our own. We have a father. And not only do we have a father... And I love this, it says, your heavenly, he's my father. He is honors heavenly father. Not just the churches, not just Christian, Christendom. No, he's my personal heavenly father, our father. He's mine, but he's also our father. That we go, we have a dad watching us. We have a dad that cares for us. And we're going to break bread. We're going to see, we have a dad that's prepared to send his only son for us. And then it says, who knows what you, that you need them all. The second point is that not only do we have a father, but we have a father that knows what you and I need. Before we pick up the phone, before we pray, before we share it with someone we think could give us the answer, he knows what you and I need. So when we pray for Marius, he knows what we're praying for. He knows what we need. He knows. When we pray for, for, the, for the two gentlemen that need clothes and food, He knows those things. As a heavenly Father, He knows those things. And it doesn't say that He just knows those. He says that you need all these things. And then it comes with, but seek first. And then He says, all these things will be added to you. But there's an order that Jesus is contending here for. There's an order in how we get the, the food or the clothing or the, the work or, or our house. There's, there's an order in Jesus' Message to the disciples. And it says this, but, but seek first the kingdom. He's talking to his disciples. 
the Gentiles pursue. People that don't know Jesus chase these things, pursue, give their lives to money for food and for drink and for clothing and for housing. And then he says to them, but, like I've said this to you many times, in English I teach you, but cancels everything you've just said. Have you ever had an argument with your loved one? And you argue, 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 and you think that they're just acknowledging that you're right. And then they say, but, what has just happened? Every acknowledgement that you were right has just gone out the window. And they're going, here we go again. Like literally, you can start the argument again because everything has just changed. That one little word, but, it is incredibly powerful. I think the most powerful word in the English language, but. Jesus chooses to use the word, but. He says, but my disciples, my sheep, my anxious ones, seek first the kingdom of God. Everyday people, what is Jesus' answer to us to get rid of our anxiety, to not be anxious and live anxiously in these times? Seek first his kingdom. See, we are born again. We are baptized into a different kingdom, into a new family. Have you ever watched these movies where, where, where kids, where orphan children from a really, really rough and bad and abused background um, gets adopted into a healthy family and how they take time to adjust to the new family? Have you seen those movies? We've all, we've all watched them. And, and in some ways, our whole Christian journey as Christians is we were orphaned, we were left for dead, and we were abused because this world offers us nothing good. Christ adopts us into his family, and now we are busy changing day by day and we adjusting to this new family that we are part of but we are meant to be adjusting that way we are meant to be adjusting and becoming more and more like his son and the holy spirit that has gripped your life and my life and has grabbed hold of us is busy changing us towards this where our desires change and jesus is making it very clear to his disciples that, that there is a very significant difference between the things that the world chases and the, the things that his disciples chase. And when I say disciple, I'm talking about Christ follower. We're not just talking about the 12 apostles. We're talking about the Christ follower that Christ calls us to. He says, hey, Jesus follower, my children, we have a different appetite. We, we have an appetite for something different to the world. We don't chase the stuff the world chases. We chase our Father and His kingdom, and then everything we need gets handed and looks, is, is looked after. Do you see the difference in how we live? We don't chase, no, we chase the Father, and the Father who knows everything gives us everything we need. need. One of the major challenges facing our church today is just how busy our lives are. If you looked at the world and you looked at the church, you'd go, we're all busy. And you'd have to ask the question, what are you, what are you trying to fit into your life? What are you pursuing with your life? Are you seeking His kingdom and what He's called us to first over your life? Or is your life so busy? I think Paul Tripp speaks of this. He says, our lives are so busy trying to squeeze God's kingdom into our already kingdom. We've made our lives in our kingdom, and now we're trying to add God to our lives, and it doesn't quite gel, because there's a clash of kingdoms happening in our lives. We're chasing the dream life. We, we're chasing, we've got a vision of our life that's maybe not the kingdom of God, that's our lives, that we think this is what an ideal life looks like. And then we add God to that kind of formula. Jesus is telling us that we can't try and we can't squeeze His kingdom that there's going to be a clash in kingdoms. The language he uses between hate and love, you're going to despise the one and you're going to adore the other. It's strong language because he knows as Christ followers, we have a choice to make. 
What are we going to pursue with our lives? His kingdom or my kingdom? You have to choose. And everything in the Spirit, in the Holy Spirit, is going to shout to you, pursue His kingdom honor. Pursue His kingdom honor. And that's half the battle, if not all the battle, that you and I face in our spiritual journeys daily, is what am I choosing to follow? Who am I choosing? Mine or His? His will or my will? His comfort or my comfort, or the thing that I find my comfort in? His security or the thing that I've invested in as my security? My life or His life or others? But the gospel changes and transforms us. We get to live a better life. We can and we must trust God in these times. Jesus is asking his disciples to trust his Father. Don't trust money. Don't trust this world's systems. Trust your heavenly Father. Seek him and he will take care of the rest. We can literally take our eyes off. Have you ever seen a a child on a training bike? When the dad's hands on the bike at the back and the child relaxes and it cycles like it's, like it's I don't know, I won't say Lance Armstrong because he cheated, but he, he cycles like he's a pro and this child's confident and riding because the father's hands got him on the bicycle. You've seen that. Jesus is literally saying, you have a free ride. You can, you can focus and enjoy what God has called you to because your dad's got you. Your dad's got you. You can take your eyes off yourself. You can stop worrying that you're going to fall. You can stop worrying what you're going to eat. You can stop worrying what you're going to drink or what you're going to wear because your father's got you. Focus on him. Focus on your father and his kingdom. Jim Elliott said this um, at his graduation after Wheaton in, in 1949, and we've heard this many, many times. He is no fool who, who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. See, when we choose to focus on God's kingdom in our lives, we're literally trading some, we, we're gaining something we'll never ever lose in eternity and in His kingdom, and we're giving up something that we were never ever going to hold on to anyway. We don't go to our graves with fenter trailers. We don't, we don't take our stuff with us. Nothing, not even our bodies. Our bodies are going to be renewed. We're so thankful for that. So what does it look like for us? I'm going to take a few seconds to finish. What does it look like what does a life seeking the kingdom first look like for us? We can, we must take our eyes off ourselves. I think in the beginning of COVID, I did a little thing about watch the curve. Be careful, everybody, that we become inwardly curved during this season. We, all we worry about is our family, our house, our needs, our, our little circles, and we forget that there's a body that Christ has called us to. Number one, we line up our desires with His agendas, priorities, joys, and loves. We love the things that the Father loves. We, we line up our desires with the things that He calls us to, the things that He has a heart for. What has God got a heart for? He's got a heart for the lost, we know that, for, for our friends that don't know Jesus. So we line up our times and our energies and our loves. God, do I have a love for those that don't know Jesus? Or am I just so happy that I'm going to heaven that that's all that matters? Can you just come now already? Or are we praying, God, take your time because I've got friends I want to reach with the gospel. I want to help. He's got a heart for the lonely, for the, for the poor, for, for the brokenhearted. Jesus' heart goes towards those people. Secondly, we serve the gospel and others with our gifts and our skills. The skills and the gift set that God has given you is not for yourself. It's not to make, it might be used to make some income and to whatever, but actually in the bigger scheme of things, the skills and the gifts that God has given you is to serve others. 
It's not for you, it's for others. You are a gift to the body. You're a, a gift to his mission, to his kingdom. But when we turn the gifts inward and it's all about serving me and my security and my identity and, and I, I get off with because how gifted I am, we die. We die spiritually when that happens. So we take our gifts, we take the skills that God's given us and we give it to him, to what he's called us to and to others, not ourselves. Thirdly, we use our resources, finances, everything we have. We use our homes, our cars, our, everything's up for grabs for Jesus to further the gospel and for helping others. We take what we've got and we use it not on ourselves but on others. We give it away. We share it. We, we, we love others with our resources. And fourthly and lastly, we give our time and ourselves to create family for the lonely. We give our time and we give ourselves to people that, are, that might not have family, that might be spiritually lonely, who feel on the outside of community, who is desperately looking for community. We give ourselves to that. We break, we, 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 we say no to our hobbies and we say yes to spending time with people that are lonely. We say no to watching Netflix and, and going to a life group gathering because our friends there need to see faces and need to know that they're cared for and loved for. We say no to, I can't really play the guitar as well as John, but I can play it to playing and helping because that's what we do. We serve people with what we've got. And I want to encourage us as a church to follow Jesus' incredible counsel here to his disciples. Five times, don't be anxious. And then he, at the end he says how we live, but seek first the kingdom. Pursue God with your gifts, with your resources, with your time, your heart and desires. Make him your biggest desire. Make his kingdom, make his people, make what he's called you your ultimate desire. And he will give you all these things. See the order for us, we're weird. We, we don't chase money or a job for resources. No, we chase him and we trust that he will provide us. For anything in life, pursue him and he will provide and give you everything you need.